So I want you to take your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. And um, I want you to look with me beginning in verse number 18. If you remember last time we looked at uh, the passage concerning Esau. And of course, the writer of Hebrews was reminding us to really look diligently that we don't fail the grace of God. And he says, and you won't be like Esau, who was rejected. And, um, and then he follows that up in verse 18 with that word for. So we know he connects us back here. And he says, for you are not come unto the mount that might be touched, and that burned with fire, nor unto the blackness and darkness and tempest. The sound of a trumpet and the voice of words which voice they that heard entreated that the word, now listen to this amazing statement, entreated that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. Isn't that amazing statement? The Bible says, for they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart means a spear and so terrible was the sight that Moses said I exceedingly fear and quake but how many of y'all glad for the buts in scripture but you are come unto Mount Zion and unto a city of the living God the heavenly Jerusalem, and an innumerable company of angels to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of the sprinkling that was speaketh better things than that of Abel. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would just uh, allow us to have a time here tonight, Father, that we can just be reminded and encouraged concerning really the glorious privilege that we have uh, <laughs> through the grace of your salvation. Uh, Father, to be able to enjoy your presence. And Father, I'll thank you and I'll praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, Amen. You may be seated. Well, as we look at this text, you're going to find that there's two mounts here that are contrasted between each other. The one being Mount Sinai. <coughs> and Mount Sinai represents God's dealings with man in relation to man's responsibility to the law. But I'm so glad today that it didn't stop with Mount Sinai. I'm so glad for Mount Zion. And you say, why is that? Because Mount Zion is God dealing with man not through the law, but through grace. And now you and I have access to a holy and mighty God. I've entitled this message, In His Presence. 
Because if you're saved today, whether you realize it or not, you are in his presence. And you say, well, how is that? Well, in a twofold way. Number one, he lives in you. Number four, number two, you're seated in heavenly places. And so you and I always, as a saved person, can enjoy and can experience the presence of God. But I want you to see very clearly, and I, I'm going to put it in very strong terms, that that was not always the case. There was a time when God was inapproachable. And I want you to see this because this is what he's contrasting here in this text. If you will, this just continues the theme of the whole book of Hebrews, which simply means this, that the new covenant is far greater through Christ than the law. And therefore, Christ is greater than. There's always a better way through Jesus Christ. And that's really what this continues on that theme. So let's look first at the approachability of God out at Mount Sinai. The approachability of God at Mount Sinai. You're going to see a few things here. The first thing is the fearful manifestation of God. Now this takes us back to the time when God gave the law to Moses and he went up Mount Sinai to receive the law. And the people stayed down in the bottom. Now, what you find here is he says this in verse 6, for whom the Lord... Well, I'm looking at the wrong verse. In verse 18, For you know not come unto a mount that might be touched. Now, what does that mean? Simply means this. God's presence rested temporarily upon this mount. And because God's presence rested temporarily upon this mount, it was a mount that could not be touched. In other words, it was only Moses that was allowed to go up. And none of the Israel could go up. And if any of Israel tried to go up, they would have been killed. And verse 20 tells us that even if one of the livestock or one of the beasts even came to the foot of the mountain and touched the mountain, that beast was to be killed. And you say, why in the world was it that way? Because God is so holy that he could not allow sinful, defiled man to ever come into his presence. And yet God, in his supernatural way, made a way that you and I, sinful, defiled men and women, could come into his presence. But yet at Mount Sinai, no one could enter into his presence, unless, except for Moses and this special, special work of God. And so this is a command that was given here. You could not touch this mountain. Why? Well, look what it says here in verse 18. It says that burn with fire, nor with the blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of the trumpet and the voice of words. All of these things, I can take you back and show you Old Testament passages for all these. All of these things represent the presence of God. And so in every one of these things, the fire represents the presence of God. The trumpet, which was a huge part of the Mount Sinai, represented the presence of God. Darkness represented the presence of God at Mount Sinai. Why? 
Because God was given the law, and the law was exposed His holiness, but in exposing His holiness, it exposed the sin of man, which was dark. And so, God manifested His amazing, amazing person at Mount Sinai. And it was a fearful manifestation when it came to the people. I mean, the awe of this was amazing. Can you imagine that just having the presence of God on a mountain caused the people who were not on the mountain to tremble? Being that close to the presence of God. Now, listen to me. God hasn't changed. Now, you and I need to understand. God is just as holy now as he was then. But can I ask us a question today? Can you imagine that God on a mountain, no one could even touch the foot of the mountain because of his presence. But yet the same God who is just as holy in grace, would come and put his residence in you and in me. I want to tell you something. It's an amazing, amazing truth. And so what do we find here? We find the, the fearful manifestation of God. But don't you see, secondly, the fearful message of God. Watch what it says here in verse 19. And the sound of the trumpet and the voice of words, which voice? They heard. God had a message. And it was a message of the law, yes. But it was a message that brought great fear upon the people. How much fear did it bring upon the people? Well, look what it says in verse 19. That they heard and entreated that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. You say, why in the world? I mean, here's what they said. They said to Moses, they said, Moses, you speak to us. Don't let God speak to us anymore. You say, why would anybody not want to hear from God? I want to tell you why. Because His holiness and their sinfulness was in contrast to one another. And they knew how sinful. Listen, Israel would not even say the word Yahweh because they believed it was too holy to utter from their sinful lips much less to hear from God. Let me read you a few passages here. Exodus chapter 20, verse 19. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear, but let not God speak with us, lest we die. They literally had a mindset that if God speaks with us, we're dead. We're too sinful to even hear the voice of a holy God, much less to be in His presence. Deuteronomy chapter 5 goes a little more in depth to this. He says, now therefore, why should we die? Israel speaking to Moses. For this great fire will consume us if we hear the voice of the Lord, our God, anymore. Then we shall die. For who is there of all flesh that have heard the voice of the living God speaking out in the midst of fire as we have and live? 
Go thou near, talking to Moses, hear all that the Lord our God shall say, and speak thou unto all of us that the Lord our God shall speak unto thee. And we will hear it and do it. But don't let God speak to us. You see, there was a fearful manifestation, but there was a fearful message. One of the saddest things I see today in church in America is we've got a flippant view of God. We're no longer in awe of a holy God in America. We've become so used to the jargon and to the words concerning our relationship with God that God no longer causes us to tremble. But I want to tell you, there's coming a day when when we're before him, we will fall on our face as dead. Just as John did. He's a holy God. People today use terms that are flipping about God. The good old God that's upstairs. I want to tell you something. That's borderline blasphemy. We use the name of God as a, a jargon in our normal conversation. And yet in no way do we exalt and elevate Him as a holy, holy God. Most people today view God as a giver of grace and mercy, a provider of my needs when I'm in trouble, and one that is there when I need him the most when I can't do it myself. And that's the way most people see God. But I want to tell you something. God rung my bell through this passage. I was studying this Monday when I was down there where I was. And God rung my bell because I want you to listen to me. God convicted me of this one truth. How many of you agree today every time you get on your face before God in prayer, you're talking to the very God that they said they couldn't hear from and live? But isn't it amazing that the privilege that we have is the one privilege that 90% of Christians today neglect the most? It's amazing to me. The fearful manifestation of God, the fearful message of God, the fearful mandate of God. What was this in which he spoke. What was this in which he said? It says in verse 20, For they could not endure that which was commanded. Here's the mandate. 
That which was commanded, what was it? It was the law. It was the law. It was the blessings and cursings. It was the law in which God put forth. In other words, here's what was mandated. It was a law that said, listen, the majesty of God is greater than man. The holiness of God exposes the sinfulness of man. It was a mandate that said that we're guilty and we're hopeless before a holy God. It was a mandate that said, hey, we cannot make it before a holy God. The law in which God gave. It's amazing to me. God gave the law to the children of Israel knowing that they couldn't keep it. But aren't you glad today that the law is still real, the law is still active, but aren't you glad today we live under grace and not the law? Aren't you glad today that if you pick up sticks on the Sabbath, God's not going to stone you? But can I tell you, don't tell me the law's not active. You say, how's it active? Because it's the law that's the schoolmaster that brings you to the cross. It's the law that shows you that our sinfulness and our lostness. It's the law that shows us the holiness of God. And in the relation to the holiness of God, we saw the sinfulness of ourselves. Now, I want you to hear me. What Israel experienced at Mount Sinai ought to be very similar to what you and I experienced when God showed us we were lost. Because when God showed you you were lost and God showed me out when I was lost, it's the first time I saw myself the way God saw me. And it scared me. It broke me. And so God brought forth His presence. His presence alone manifested Himself and it brought fear upon the people. His message brought fear upon the people. His mandate of the law brought fear upon the people. But let me show you the greatest form of this fear. Verse 21, and so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. Now you can understand, oh, I understand why the people would fear, but Moses, I mean, listen, Moses, Moses at the burning bush, and God spoke to Moses from the burning bush. Moses, who had experienced the, the presence and the voice of God, and yet Moses, on that moment when God was on Mount Sinai given the law, the Bible says Moses shook and Moses was fearful. The Bible says in Exodus 33, verse 11, And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, but yet here at Mount Sinai, Moses shook. As a man speaketh unto his friend. So how did Moses and God dialogue so many times? Face to face as a friend to a friend. But yet at Mount Sinai, when the law came and the holiness of God was revealed, Moses shook. It's amazing the picture you have here. 
And he turned again into the camp, but his servant Joshua and the son of Nun, the young man, departed not of the tabernacle. Moses was a fearful man in the presence of God. Well, say, preacher, why is this important for us to know? Because I think there's a day, living in a day today, that people just don't understand who God is. And if you understand who God is, you'll understand the glorious privilege you have in saving grace. Because this God who was unapproachable on Mount Sinai dwells on a new mount. He's no longer on Sinai. But you come unto the Mount Zion. So what do we have? The approachability of God at Sinai. Unapproachable. But then the accessibility of God at Mount Zion. Now notice the contrast of all this as it unfolds. There's a gracious contrast that takes place here. At Mount Sinai, God rested for a moment. At Mount Zion, God has made it His dwelling place. At Mount Sinai, no one could even touch the mount, much less approach a holy God. At Mount Zion, listen to what it says. It says, but you are come. To Mount Zion. What does that mean? Here's what it means. You are already in His presence. The words used here, these words have come is in a tense, perfect tense, which means something that took place in the past and the effects are ongoing even today. I got news for you. You don't have to breathe your last breath to be at Mount Zion. I got news for you today. A God that was unapproachable at Mount Sinai that brought fear before the people is a God that has ushered you into heavenlies and placed you at the right hand of the majesty on high. And can I tell you today, whether you realize it or not, you're already there. He's writing these believers. You have already come into Mount Zion. And by the way, what's Mount Zion? It's where God dwells. It's a place of the living God. Look what the verse says. He says it. Unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and an innumerable company of angels. Hey, I want to tell you something. There's something about this gracious contrast. It involves a few things. The contrast in his abiding. Now a living God has made his dwelling place there in this heavenly Jerusalem. And listen, where he is, you are. There's not only a contrast in his abiding, there's a contrast in his approach. And you say, what do you mean by that? God who was inapproachable because of his holiness. Now can be approached. You say, preacher, I don't understand. How can a sinful person like me approach a holy God? 
Because God made you holy in Christ. Let me tell you what kind of access you have to God. Are y'all sitting down? Say amen. The same access Christ has to God. Because the Bible says you are in Christ. At the right hand of the Father. Go back a minute. Use your spiritual imagination for a minute. Place yourself among the million or millions at the bottom of Mount Sinai. And when the top of that mountain was covered in darkness, and the trumpets began to sound from heaven, and the voice that rattled the mountain began to speak. And the people began to shake. And yet now, the same God hadn't changed. The Bible says we can come now boldly before the throne. Because there's a contrast in this approach. But thirdly, this con gracious contrast, there's a contrast in his acceptance. Now I want you to hear what I'm about to say. Who God accepts has never ever changed. Who God accepts today is the same that God accepted then. You say, well, who did God accept then? Only those who he deemed to be holy. How many of you agree the high priest had to go through rigorous cleansing methods before they could go into the Holy of Holies that one day a year? But here's what's glorious. Because of Christ, every born-again child of God is accepted in the beloved. But don't think God changed. He didn't change His standard. He didn't change His person. He just provided for you and me a way that we could be accepted. And you say, well, preacher, why didn't he do that for Israel in the Old Testament? Because the blood of bulls and goats could not satisfy a holy God. Not only a gracious contrast, a glorious communion. Look at verse 23. Verse 22, we are come unto Mount Zion. Verse 23, two. You're going to see this word two repeated multiple times. To the general assembly and the church of the firstborn. Here's what takes place with this glorious communion. 
there's a steadfast position that is now taken. And you say, what is it? It's not God reluctantly says, well, eventually I had to let them get in my presence. No. It's God says, come to. Come to. Where the rest of the church is. The general assembly. Come to. Watch what it says. The firstborn. What was that man? The heir of the inheritance. Come to. You who are firstborn. Come to you are the inheritance of my grace and my glory. Jesus Christ, the Bible said, was the firstborn of the dead. Jesus Christ is the firstborn of God. But yet you and I, in Christ, guess what? We've been made one with who Jesus is. And because Jesus is the firstborn, we've become the firstborn. And now God accepts us, not just as children from a distance, not just as children that He doesn't know well, but children who is He treats as if it was His firstborn son. Y'all need to wake up. This ought to make you shout. I mean, good gracious alive. I mean, listen, it's a settled position. It's not something that maybe, maybe one day. No, no, no. It's already taken place. Which are written in heaven. Oh, folks. Can I tell you something? Because you're in Christ, not only do you have a seat, but you have a permanent seat that's been sealed in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a settled position. Notice what he says. To the general assembly, come. Church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven. And to God, the judge of all. So in other words, he says, listen, you, you, you need to understand, you can't touch Mount Sinai, but you've already come to Mount Zion. And this is where the living God is. And you come to the general assembly with all those that are redeemed, with all those that are saved, with those that God sees as the firstborn. And not only that, but you come to God who judged all. You say, wait a minute. Isn't that what Israel feared? God who was holy would judge. They, God would kill them if he, they heard from him. Oh, but can I tell you today, you and I can come to the one that judges all in peace, in confidence, in assurance. Why? Because God judged us in Christ. 
God already passed the judgment. You and I don't have to go through the judgment of condemnation anymore. And aren't you glad today that because of that, you and I can go before a holy God that judges all and will judge all, and one that is holy never ceases to be holy, and yet we can have communion with a holy God at any moment, at any time of any day. And can I tell you today that what you can enjoy here will be perfected when you get there. Mama, you say, Pastor, you're fired up tonight. I am. Them folks down there preached me to death. Got me fired up. All right, watch it. Not only is it a settled position, it's a steadfast priest. And two. To the general assembly, those that are saved. To God who judges. To the spirits of the just men. In other words, those that God has redeemed. But to Jesus. The mediator of the new covenant. This is what it means to come unto Mount Zion. We have a steadfast priest. Our high priest is the mediator of the new covenant. Our high priest stands in our stead. Our high priest made the way. Our high priest. is how we have access. To a holy God. I want you to kindly understand. What takes place. When you commune with God. How many agree the Bible says Christ lives in you? How many agree the Bible says you're seated in Christ Jesus at the right hand of the Father? Christ lives in you that you can be representatives of him before a lost and dying world. You're seated in Christ as high priest that he can be a representative before a holy God on your behalf. So get this. Every time you get on your face before God, it's as if Seated in Christ at the right hand of the majesty on high. You are seated in your kingdom authority. Everybody else is sitting back here, so I'll stand back here. You are seated in your kingdom authority. And it's as if Jesus at the right hand of God communing with his Father. And every time you're communing with God, it's as if you are seated next to a holy God. That's the access you have. But in the Old Testament, just being at the foot of a mount where God's presence was on the top of the mount, was so fearful 
Moses, don't let him speak to us. We don't want to die. But now, God's not on Mount Sinai anymore. He's on Mount Zion, and we are too. He went from a temporary place of handing out the holiness and judgment of God to a permanent place of grace. Oh, mercy. This may not be helping y'all, but it's sure helping me. Lastly, there's a supernatural purity. And two. There's that word two again. So when we came to Mount Sinai, we came to the general assembly of the firstborn. We came to God that judges all. We came to the spirits of the just men that were perfected. We came to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. And we came to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Why the sprinkling? The blood of Jesus. Without the blood of Jesus, there's no remission of sins. Would you agree with that? Say amen. All right, that's the practical for you and us before Lord. But how many of you agree the blood had more to do with us? The blood had more to do with God. We just got in on what the blood did. So what did God require of the blood of the Lord? The Lord Jesus sprinkled it up on the mercy seat in the heavenlies. And when he did, it spoke of something so much greater. The blood of Abel called for vengeance. The blood of Abel called for condemnation. The blood of Christ sprinkled upon the mercy seat called for justification. And when that happened, God said, I'm satisfied. Come on. Come to. Come to. Come to. Folks, listen to me. You don't have to wait to go to heaven to enjoy the presence of God. You're already there spiritually. One day you'll be there bodily. But how much are you enjoying His presence now? 